Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Okay, so hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown, joined in the real Asia Tech Podcast studio today by Wei Ching Jen from Vibes. Wei Ching, welcome to the show. Thank you, Graham. Happy to be here. It's awesome to have you here. I think there's a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Vibes. We're going to talk about your journey. Excellent. And um, you're not just a, the founder and CEO of Vibes. You're also a serial entrepreneur and investor. That's right. And you've been a few places as well. You've traveled around a bit. I mean, you're not from Singapore, so there's a story to tell as well, which I'm sure the listeners would be fascinated to find out about. So um, let's start at the top. Let's talk about Vibes, mm-hmm. what exactly it is and you know what you're doing there. So maybe we can put that on the table and describe that a little bit for the listeners. Sure. Vibes is a platform for millions of influencers to sell goods and services that they create directly to their followers. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's... 50 million influencers worldwide, people who have followings of at least 10,000 and above, and we help them create their own brand and sell things that are personal to them, to their followers. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting for a few reasons. One is we're disrupting the influencer market in a big way, right? Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, right now, most influencers make money through brands paying them to do sponsored posts. Mm. But what we're saying is, look here, you've built a following, why not actually sell directly to your followers mm. based on your personal brand? So a really you know, interesting example would be the Kardashian family, right? right. So you know, they started with no acting skills or singing skills or modeling skills, but the youngest Kardashian just last year sold 400 million worth of goods in 18 months wow. just by monetizing her personal brand. She created a line of cosmetics mm. to uh, sell directly to her followers and made a lot of money from that. 400 so, million? 400 million, one person. Was that her own goods? Or was uh, it, something it was else? her own. So it was very interesting. She partnered with a wholesale uh, yeah. you know, manufacturer and created a series of cosmetics that are unique to her brand. Mm. So they're a little bit more edgy. They're a little bit more customized for like millennial crowd. Mm. And she has a great following where you have 100 million followers on Instagram and she sold directly to them mm. as opposed to representing L'Oreal or Shiseido right. or someone else's brand. So this is a big opportunity, right? It's already been proven by, you know, several big influencers mm. and we want to replicate this for the 50 million influencers out there. Right. So it's a big opportunity. It's very exciting. And, uh, you know, so far the traction has been awesome as well. And so we're very excited to be doing uh, excellent, this. Excellent. Yeah. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. So I, I want to kick off just by being contrarian. Is that sure? Uh, um, you, know, you talk about the Kardashians, but you know they're they're a unique case. Mm. I mean, why uh, why how can you replicate that kind of effect for mm. the average Joe mm. out there? So is that mm. what we're talking about? Are you talking about celebrities in different countries? No, who no. are we talking about as influencers? That's a great question. So we're talking about anyone who has more than ten thousand followers at right. least, right? On Instagram or on anywhere. Instagram for now. Uh, we obviously are going to go into other, you know, platforms like Twitter or even Twitch in the future. Yeah. But we're talking about the wannabe Kardashians, right? Mm. So Kardashian is not my target uh, audience because she has an enormous team behind her, right? Yeah. So she doesn't need a platform like ours. Of course, down the road, if she wants to come onto our platform, we more than welcome her. But there's hundred, you know, like the millions of people who want to be like her and are, you know, maybe one quarter of the way there, right? right? right. Yeah. And so what we're doing for these influencers is what the Kardashian team is really doing, right? Got helping it. them, you know, find their brand, right? Hyping them, market themselves, and then helping them find the merchandise mm. or the services that best represent them. 
So I'll give an example. Yeah, please. We have a, a photographer on a platform who only has 40,000 followers, right? Small compared to the Kardashians. Mm. But he sold lots of items on our platform. And, you know, why? A couple of reasons. One is, you know, he, well, he happens to be cute. Mm. <laughs> but the, the reason is his photographs are really beautiful. They're beautiful landscape photographs mm. of Singapore. So just the other day, one of his fans asked him to take a certain certain style of photos of the Marina Bay. You know, he has another uh, fan who asked him to edit his photo for him and paid $30. He has another fan who asked him for a photography tutorial of $150. So in a very short amount of time, he's already doubled his income Mm. through working with us. And, you know, 40,000 followers is is great for Singapore, but in the scheme of things, it's actually not that large. So we help people like that really communicate with their followers, you know, reinforce their brand and then make more income. And it's also very, very, you know, uh, heartwarming to do that, mm. right? Because, you know, for us, it's like really interesting to see this fan, uh, you know, influencer connection and how we can help them build on that. Mm. It's like helping you, you know, build more, you know, connection with your followers. And secondly, you know, a lot of these influencers really love what they do, mm. but they don't want to make enough money. So a lot of them, you know, we surveyed uh, over a hundred of them at the very beginning and uh, like 75% of them told us they don't make enough money on Instagram because it doesn't really help you monetize in the moment. So the fact that we help them double their income, they're really excited mm. about it and work very closely with us to right. make it happen. Well, what's, the, what's the problem that they have? Is it like with your photographer, for example, is it that they don't know what they should be selling mm. or are they too busy mm. or they're just not natural marketing people? Or what is it? Great question. I'll tell you my personal view and and, then we can talk more about what a platform does. My personal view is that a lot of people don't really understand their personal brand and what makes them Mm, different. Absolutely. You know, you know, even people like you and I, right, you know, I'm in my thirties and I'm still figuring out my personal brand. Right. And I've, you know, had the benefit of being in many amazing institutions. Right. And some of my branding comes from those institutions, but Mm. at the same time, I'm still figuring out what makes me unique. And if I were to sell my time, why would someone pay for it? And what would they pay for? Mm. So I think all of us are still figuring it out, regardless of whether you're a venture capitalist or whether you're a, you know, an influencer, an Instagram influencer. So for a lot of these influencers, I think the first thing is, why are you special? And what exactly can you make money from? Mm. And figuring that question is not an easy, it's not an easy answer sometimes. So we provide a lot of help, right? So we help them, uh, I mean, we provide them with education. So our website offers some, you know, sort of um, case studies, examples of how you can market yourself, how you can figure out what to sell. We have a lot of other examples. So I'll throw an ex- give you an example. One physique model photographer, this is a very niche thing. Mm. Uh, he came on because he saw another one his biggest rival in Singapore come on as well. And, you know, he was able to role model some of what he was supposed to sell from looking at others as well. So our platform offers many, many benefits of, you know, you learn from others, you learn from us, and then you learn how to sell better. Hmm. And we use technology to help you. Right. So we use technology to help you in, in two big ways, right? One is we give you tools, right? So the tools could include like, you know, analytics. It could involve, you know, managing your inventory. We, you know, uh, we help you with uh, softer things like, you know, conflict resolution and so forth. Uh, and then the other side of things, we also help you with uh, more, um, for example, we help you grow your followers, so for instance, right now, maybe you have 40,000 followers, but we could actually generate more sales from you mm. by directing other people who buy from other people to your place as well. So there's definitely benefits both in terms of managing your uh, brand, managing your inventory and managing your sales. These are right. things that we all help out with. 
So in a way, I mean, I'm sure you can explain this better than I can because mm. you do this every day, is that you, you've kind of, like Facebook has done for advertising, you know, democratized advertising for a lot of small um, but influential mm. companies and individuals. You've mm. applied that approach in a way to product placement and advertising in a way, sponsorship for a whole generation of influencers. Mm. You've taken that model and said, okay, right. I mean, the challenge, I guess, for a lot of these influencers is that the first starting point is like, okay, how do I go and talk to a media buyer? Or how do I talk to, mm. you know, somebody who's selling pet food, for example, mm. on my pet channel? Mm. It's very hard for them, isn't it? But you've kind of like brought those people together and democratized the whole process on mm. Instagram. Mm. Oh, I love what you're saying and, and asking, right? So I think we're doing quite a few things. First and foremost, we're saying, look here, we no longer have to depend on you representing someone else's brand. Mm. You have a certain skill or a certain following or a certain brand that we want to help you figure out what you can sell. So I'll give exam- another, yet another example. There's a girl on our platform who does really interesting kawaii manga stuff. Why does she have to sell someone else's things? She's so unique. You know, like mm. every time I see her picture, I'm like, oh, that's her, right? Why can't she sell her own thing, right? So, you know, we are in some senses liberating these influencers and offering them, you know, more opportunities to make money. It's liberating them in all senses of the word. Liberating their brand. Mm. We're liberating their, their ability to be free and not depend on someone else. And on top of that, we're liberating the user, right? No longer do I have to say, I only hear what Graham says because someone else pays him to. Mm. Now I can actually pay Graham to hear what I want him to say mm. to me mm. or to you know, be his authentic self. So it, it's, it's liberating on various fronts, actually. Mm. And ultimately, it's also liberating, you know, we imagine a future where we don't even necessarily need to depend on you know big companies to manufacture things for us. Maybe everything in the future will be customized and user generated, and I think that's a really future that we you know think can be possible through working with these influencers very closely. I mean, another way to think about influencers is that a lot of them are content creators, mm. right? In the same way that you are a content creator, we want to work with content creators to make it viable to not just rely on advertising, but directly selling to your followers, so that there's user generated content, it's democratic, and everyone feels you know better and as a result. So, yeah, yeah, amazing. And is there sort of certain uh, products or certain types of people that work really well on that platform? And have you been surprised? Because you, I mean, we talk about the background to the company as well. You've been doing this for quite a while. I mean, you, you sort of you've been building this for a mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. And so, have you learned something about you? You went in thinking this type of influencer or this type of product, but you sort of been challenged by your assumptions. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? Interesting. So um, we've launched it actually in April. So right. before that, we were doing another app, and mm. uh, that's also done quite well in itself. But this particular product, um, I would say that we're still learning, to be honest. Uh, but there are two, you know, roughly speaking, two buckets that have sold very well, right? One are people who um, have a very particular niche uh, audience or niche skill that you can't find elsewhere. And another are, you know, people who really have super fans who follow them and just mm. want to buy whatever it is, mm. right? Uh, I would say that there might be a third category, which is there's some people who are very attractive mm. as well and people want to get closer to them. So roughly speaking, these are the three buckets of things that have sold well in, in mm. general. I would say in terms of surprising, I guess one thing you can't predict ahead of time is who would sell better based on number of followers, right? right? Yeah, so there's some who you know might have, so let's say on average right now we have, so in, in Singapore, for instance, we have anywhere between uh, 10,000 to 200,000 follower type influencers. But it's not always the 200,000 one who's going to sell better. Sometimes it's the 50,000 one who sells better, maybe because they find, you know, they sell things that, 
are more unique. Maybe mm. it's because their followers are more sticky. You know, who knows? But there's a variety of you know that that part has not been predictable today. Right, yeah, right. you're also learning a lot about influence, aren't you? By doing we this, we are. We which are. I think is fascinating. I mean, it that, is. That's valuable to Absolutely. ad agencies and media buyers. Absolutely. Like You're from what on. you just said, like, I mean, 50,000 or 200,000, why is one four exactly. times bigger that sells a tenth of Exactly. Really? In some senses, we are, you know, putting a dollar value on all social networks, if mm. you think about it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, on LinkedIn, right? I mean, I have a profile there and I try to boost my profile, but, you know, do I actually, am I worth more or are you worth more, right? Like, you know, obviously some of it you can tell by looking at how much my company is worth, but beyond that, how much is that person's brand really worth? So that's what we're doing for these people on Vibes. We mm. are helping them figure out their true worth. And as you said, ad agencies, brand agencies have already been talking to us and express mm. an interest in finding out that data as we do more. Right. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the million dollar question for advertisers, isn't it? It is. It? Because it is. they can easily go out and pay for this stuff, but they, they want to know, you know, for example, they want to be discovering those those micro-influencers who can get into those real niches, mm-hmm, right? You know, mm-hmm. it could be, like, I mean, I mentioned, for example, the pet. Mm-hmm. Influencer, you, you know, you see a lot of this stuff on Instagram, mm-hmm. for example, and they mm-hmm. have big followers, but they may have a million followers, but can they monetize it? Absolutely. This is the challenge, isn't it? Can they turn that a million into people who want to buy stuff? Yep. Because they just may be very good at gaming algorithms to absolutely. get a million followers and so on. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, you know, in terms of million dollar question, I think there's at least a few that we're trying to solve here, mm. right? One is how much are you worth? The second is how much are you worth, therefore, to advertisers down the road? And third of all, you know, can we in some way generate a new set of merchandise or products and services that are unique because it's user generated? It's mm. not just dictated from the top down by, you know, brands or media buyers and so forth. Right. Because, mm. I mean, P&G, for example, have invested a lot in that approach in the, you know, early early days, mm-hmm. they went out and they said, okay, we're going to get a lot of moms, for yeah, example, yeah, or Unilever, yeah. we're going to get a lot of mom, moms yep. to co-create yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that was yeah, how they yeah. sort of did it. But they, they would often bring them into the ivory the room, tower. And, you know, exactly. And then sort of co-create. But we haven't really sort of advanced from that too far, have we, with our I love that. I love that you say that, though, because I think P&G kind of led the way in the physical merchandise mm. and, you know, top-down model. But in the future, I think what technology really enables, right, is a bottoms-up approach, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can do this at scale and we can do it across markets without having to bring everyone in because technology allows you to do that. Mm. So we, we, in some sense, we are allowing for co-creation, but, you know, technology, you know, rather than bringing people, the moms one by one, we're actually enabling that, you know, people to do that at scale right, with right. their followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're also doing it in a way which is low risk, isn't it? Because, I mean, like the PNG model, they have to select 20 moms, for example, but you, right. you know, you're spread across the whole market and they exactly. can go at their different paces as well. Exactly. That's a brilliant way to think about it about it. I think right now we, you know, we're just reaching out to influencers. Yeah. You know, obviously we are curating a little bit, but really we're just seeing what the market tells us to mm. some degree as well. Yeah. And as I said at the beginning, you sometimes don't know which one sells better than others. Obviously we try our best to curate, to advise and so forth, but ultimately we let the market tell for ourselves. And that's something, again, that a scalable platform can do where, you know, a moment, you know, a shop that has lots of capex can't really do. So, um, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background and how sure. all this happened. Because you've got a really interesting story waiting is that you're not from Singapore. I mean... I am from Singapore, but I've Are spent, you not from yes, Singapore? Yes, oh, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, looking at your history, I mean, if you go back, you spent quite a bit of time in China. That's right. Okay. All right. So what, put me right. <laughs> you are actually from Singapore. So I thought, okay, because you went to, uh, the story that I understand is you're, you are, you grew up around, 
Beijing or you, yep. you educated in Beijing, you went to the US, I mean, there's quite a lot moving around, so put me right here. <laughs> no worries. My background is almost as complicated as yours. Right. Okay. So uh, I, I grew up in Singapore, actually right. not far from where we're doing this recording, oh, right. and uh, I went to the US for college. So yeah, okay. I, was, uh, I was at Stanford in California for my undergrad, and then I was at Harvard for graduate mm-hmm. school, which is where I met my co-founder. And then after that, I lived in New York for a couple of years working as a consultant with McKinsey before moving to China mm. with Tomas as an investor. Got it. So, and I spent uh, six years in China and six years in the U.S. And after uh, spending, uh, uh, you know, some time with Tomasic and in China, I quit to start my first company there. Right. And I invested in another company there, and then I, you know, started my second company in Singapore. So, mm. I've been in three different places mainly, uh, and uh, you know, have been a combination of an investor, advisor, as well mm. as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, I'm really fascinated about your, I mean, your experiences in both places. I mean, mm. obviously, we come back to Singapore. As well in the US and in China Mm. and also how that sort of influences if I can use that word your influence business because I'm also fascinated by this fact that there's a group of people that have lived in many different countries Mm. and they're they're neither in nor out they Mm. sort of you know they exist in a twilight zone sometimes (laughs) but it gives them a real sort of What's the word of insight mm. into how things work? And mm. especially when you're, you're dealing with human behavior, mm. you have this sort of power of insight, which is maybe it's from, you know, if you were to move to a new place, you have to learn mm. things very fast about mm. social interaction and read signals and so on. And the other side maybe is that you, you, you can sort of separate the BS from mm. what the reality is in culture, well, I right? Ho- so, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I mean, how, yeah. how do, you, do you think that adds anything to your story in terms of what you're doing, specifically like dealing with influencers and oh, so Oh, absolutely. So I think there are a couple of ways that it affects us, right? Number one, uh, both me and my team have very global perspectives, right? Mm. So, you know, in our team, we have people from Germany, France, Vietnam, Indonesia, you know, uh, where else? Uh, Singapore, the U.S., uh, uh, lots of different places, even though we're a small team still. And, um, you know, I think we all really have the same hunger to really mm. want to build a global business, right? That's what made a lot of people move to Singapore out of their comfort zone, right? And to join me in my, uh, you know, uh, adventure and, mm. and really goal to really build a global company. So I think that global perspective is something that both my team and I really share. Uh, secondly, I would say, you know, the, the product that we're building is a global innovation, right? We aren't just doing it because we're copying someone else, we really are excited by the fact that we can break new ground and build a billion dollar company. Mm. And uh, the fact that we, you know, have seen it across different markets and have built different products across different markets, you know, that really obviously gives us the confidence to do this, as well as, you know, reinforces our, our view that this can be done. And, you know, we are mainly based in Singapore because we just launched, but we're very soon moving into other markets like the US, Indonesia, and so forth, where these are the biggest influencer markets, mm. not Singapore. So I think it's very important for us to, you know, not just focus on Singapore and go elsewhere because that's where the market is as well. Right. Yeah. And in your current stages, you you're focused purely on Singapore. We're f- purely focused on Singapore for the first launch, yeah. but uh, very soon we're moving into the other markets. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a place to get it right. That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. We're testing it with this market, really making sure that we're making both sides of the marketplace happy. And mm. once we are confident of that, we're moving into the other markets very soon. Okay. And you put me right that your um, so your your company's been around longer than this app. That's right. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Vibes itself mm-hmm. was 
launched in April. Is that's that right. right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So you're pretty new. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're growing as a, as a business. Can we talk a little bit about the actual structure of the business itself, the founding team? So you met your founder in Harvard. That's right. Okay. Yep. So he mm-hmm. is he based here in Singapore? Yes. 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 So did you did you import him from <laughs> the US to Singapore? Yes, I did. So if he was here, he would uh, tell you his story, which right. is I basically gave him an ultimatum and said, "Come right. here or not, we right, don't right. do this." Right. So he was came. that an easy decision? Because I mean, you know, being based um, in the US, coming to Singapore, it's, it, physically it's very yeah, far away. And it's a different world as yeah, well. Yeah, it's not easy. It wasn't easy for both of us, right? Because yeah. I could have moved to the US too, yeah. right? So, but I think I, at that point in time, my journey uh, wanted to be in this part of the world, mm. and uh, he was uh, prepared to, you know, take an adventure at that point of time. So that's what we did. But you know, our company continues to grow, and you know, one day if we end up, you know, being really global, it's very possible that we'll have offices in different places, yeah. or we have to travel a lot more often. So, you know, that remains a possibility for both of us. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating as well, the actual story about um, yourself and your, your co-founder. Co-founder is his name again? So his name is Sam Lepoff. Sam, yeah, Sam. Yeah. Shout out to Sam. So, <laughs> Sam, we're talking about you. So Hello. Yeah. But that whole story about both yourself, I mean, you nailed it as well, Wei Ching. You said you could have moved to the US. Mm. You could have gone where, in, in some ways, the money is. That's I know right. the money is here mm. now in Asia as well, mm. but you could have gone there and mm. it's a more mature market in mm. many ways and you're familiar with it. Mm. You know, you went to Harvard, you mm. went to Stanford and so on. Um, but you chose here. Mm. And I think people are really interested in why. Mm. Uh, the answer is not straightforward, right? You know, yeah. I think if I was completely neutral, maybe I should have moved to the U.S. Um, but I was very, you know, interested in coming back to Singapore at that point right. in time. I'd been away for 12 years and, uh, you know, I wanted to be somewhere where I was comfortable and I knew a lot of the people as well. So, and, you know, for our nature of business, which is, main, you know, it's like 100% digital. Um, well, I would say 90% digital because we do try to spend some time mm. in person with our influencers mm. as well. But let's say it's 90% digital. It almost doesn't really matter where we are, Right. So, you know, as we move to the U.S., for instance, in terms of market, I plan to spend a little bit more time in the U.S. as well. So we may end up being a little bit, you know, too market fold. Um, but, you know, in terms of base, so far, so good. Uh, that hasn't been a problem. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think as well, especially for what you're doing, mm. Asia makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the sort of two sides to that, isn't there? And the one side that, you know, we live in a mobile first world and in Asia very much for a lot of population, mm. it's a... Uh, comparatively across Asia, mm. not necessarily Singapore, but a younger population mm. as well. Mm. So that makes sense as well. But you also have a less developed media buying and advertising That's industry true. here as yep. well, which makes a big difference. Yep. I mean, you look at how advanced China is now yep. when it comes to influence. Has that sort of influenced you as well in terms yeah. of how you built this? But you spent a bit of time out in Beijing yeah. and China. And so, I mean, it's an interesting question, right? Because I, you know, I spent time in Beijing, which is uh, the Silicon Valley of China, mm. and I have many friends who are entrepreneurs there. Um, you know, I was at Stanford. Lots of my friends are either, you know, venture capitalists or you know, top entrepreneurs in the Valley now. I mean, the good news is that you know, we can both my co-founder and I, who also spent time in the Valley and knows lots of people there, uh, we can bring some of those best practices over yeah. here, right? And I think personally, I- I'm very interested in trying to see what we can do to help the ecosystem grow here as well, right? Mm. You know, why do we have to depend? In, in Singapore for the, you know, the government to do everything for us, right? Lots of it can be done by ourselves. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of people with my background don't tend to 
come out and do this. Right. Uh, Your background being what, Singaporean well, or female? No, no. With a, basically, I, you know, I'm someone who came from a good schools, right? right? And had a chance to have good jobs, right? You could have had a safe, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I life. quit a very safe job to right, come right. out and do this. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, a part of me wants to prove that we can do this and, you know, we can do this in Singapore as well. Mm. So I think being back here and building a business from scratch in Singapore makes me excited because I'm also contributing to my country and yeah. to the ecosystem here as well, yeah. And you like a challenge. I like a, I do like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> that so much is true. Yeah, I know it comes that across. That much is true. You know, it's yeah. impressive as well. Mm. But let's talk about your company in terms of where you are in your stage and funding sure. and so on, what sure. you want to share publicly with us. So mm. can you share us some details? Sure. So we raised our seat round last year mm. um, of almost a million dollars and uh, we are uh, likely to be raising another larger round later this year. Mm -hmm. So I guess anyone who's interested, please come and talk to me. I'm uh, waiting at Get Vibes, V-Y-B-E-S yeah. dot co. Don't worry, we've got details <laughs> in the show notes. But, uh, you know, right now we're really focused on building out the product, yeah, yeah. right? So we launched it in April. Um, we've got, uh, you know, of, of the hundreds, actually now thousands of influencers we've reached out to, we've brought on at least 10% of them on board, mm. which is really great given that we're in the beginning stages. And uh, of the uh, influencers who have come on board, a large number have posted on, on social media for us. Mm. So if you search for Get Vibes on Instagram, you'll see us already. And a large number of those who've come on board the app have actually made purchases. Mm. So the initial traction, as I said, at the beginning is really good. Uh, and a lot of influencers here are very excited to work with us. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we're improving the funnel, we're improving the business. And then very soon, as I said, we're going to go attack the uh, American markets mm. where, you know, there's like hundreds of millions of influencers and Instagrammers right, right. out there. Yeah. So, so this, this current round that you're raising at the moment. Mm. What, is, what is the purpose of that? Mm, good question. So there are two purposes with this round. Um, right now we have an amazing team uh, of uh, about 10 people mm. who, you know, thankfully are operating very scrappily and we... Based here in Singapore? Based in Singapore, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And we hope to operate scrappily, you know, for a while to come. But at the same time, you know, having the funds will help us, uh, you know, really build out our growth engine, right? Mm. So, uh, you, know, um, you know, right now we're doing a lot of unpaid growth through building, you know, growth hacking tools, through building unpaid marketing uh, organic sources. But down the road, you know, we want to be able to like really pump the prime mm. and, you know, try to grow our marketing as well. So growing faster is always a big reason for us to raise money as yeah, well as yeah. to build out the team. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and this market is interesting as well, isn't it? Is that, you know, that... In, in a way, companies like you are out are out there building up the influencer market, and in, in the same way, the, the the market is educating itself, isn't it? Because mm. we're sort of learning as well that this is important. So you know, we're learning that old school traditional media is kind of like not working mm. and the advertising model is not working. So mm. now it's creating this sort of vacuum mm. and there's companies like Vibes moving into that vacuum and, and creating a space. But, you know, it's it sort of, there's still a way to go with like the old school traditional buyers to catch up with what you're doing. Absolutely. And I, I wonder, I, I, you know, the point I'm getting to, I guess, mm. Wei Ching, is that, you know, where there's a big pots of money, mm. there's a lot of sort of very traditional thinking. So how do you deal with that? So for example, like traditional media buyers yep. and, you know, like yep. the Coca-Colas, for example, of this world. Actually, it's interesting that you say that because we, uh, you know, had the chance to pitch to two of the largest ad agencies mm. uh, globally, actually, in Asia Pacific by chance. And uh, to my surprise, actually, both of them caught on very fast. 
Mm. In fact, one of them um, came to me and said we could do a pilot together, right? And he would be interested in bringing one of their largest clients to work with us uh, to uh, actually, you know, sponsor some of the follower influencer interactions because mm. he can see the value in it, right? The brand in this case would not play the main role in the same way that you know the current advertising works, but it would play a supporting role, right? So you know, let's say you and I let's just draw out some examples because mm. I can't say too much, right? Yeah. So let's say uh, you and I. Uh, let's say MasterCard. MasterCard is all about, you know, timeless experiences, right? Mm. And that's what they talk about, actually. It's all about you can't put money on it. And in so far as MasterCard wanted to sponsor an experience, say, to the Australia Open, mm. where they are a major sponsor of our influencers going with their followers, we would be happy to, you know, facilitate that. Right. So MasterCard pays for the tickets, the influencers bring their followers as part of the experience, and then they post about it. That could mm. be one example. Or if, you know, on our app, let's say the influencers get to hang out with their followers and do stuff, let's say play games. You know, let's say Heineken wanted to sponsor some of the, mm. you know, mm. beer pong that's happening. We would be happy to talk to them as well. Right. So, so far, I would say the ad agencies have definitely caught on enough when we pitch to them. And in fact, they're very excited. Uh, but, you know, as I said to you earlier, I think the real focus of what we're doing is the influencer to follower interaction and then gradually building yeah. their brand. Into yeah. this as well, yeah. Absolutely. So, because I was just curious yeah. about the actual potential models here. Understand, understand, right. and and actually, you know, it was actually one of the two ad agencies which talked to me mm. about uh, saying, how do we actually put scoring on the. Uh, influencer value and uh, you know really use that data to sell to f ad agencies down the road so they definitely see the value of it as well and they're supportive of us doing it yeah excellent well that's great I mean it also gives another avenue to growth as well oh absolutely yeah. absolutely the brands coming in will make the influencers feel more you know secure with us yeah. and also make sure that we become more defensive right if we're mm. the platform where certain brands are working with the influencers are like oh okay not only can I sell to my followers but the brands are supporting this so I can yeah. feel like happy doing this as well so yeah Excellent. Oh, good. We talked about the uh, we talked about the background to the company. We talked about the funding. We talked about what your growth strategy is. I mean, in terms of you know the potential here, you've you've mentioned it as well. I mean, I, I guess some listeners may tread with caution now that you're talking about international expansion. Mm -hmm. It's never easy. Mm. I mean, if anyone's going to do it right, it's going to be you with your background and mm. your your cultural awareness and. Mm. The fact that you act quite boundaryless in mm. many ways, but that can be an expensive business, sure, sure, especially sure. when you're doing B to C in some yep. ways. So, absolutely. Uh, so, can you sort of talk a little bit about that? Because obviously, you've thought this through and thought through the numbers and so on. Absolutely. How, how does this work? It's a great question. Uh, so, any consumer business has to contend with the fact that growth it can be expensive. But because we've had experience building out other apps as well, I mm. think we're very, very focused on seeing how we can use technology mm. to actually help us lower our costs of acquisition. I'll give Give you a couple of examples. I can't say too much, yeah, sure. but um, you know, one example is how do we reach out to potential followers of these influencers without actually having to pay for them, right? I mean. It, I, as I said, can't say too much, mm. but you know, right now I could see who people's followers are. Right. So is there some way for me to consolidate their followers at scale and actually like write to them at scale as well? Mm. So we're building a lot of what I would call growth engineering tools to actually help us both reach out to the influencers extremely rapidly and also to their users extremely rapidly as well. Mm. And that's something that we can do through being very clever in terms of our technology and marketing. So I call it our growth engine and I think we're very focused on doing that and not relying on paid marketing only. So that's point number one. 
another thing, obviously, is the product itself can help us. Uh, the product and related marketing around it can help us grow, right? So, uh, you know, we call it the K factor. How do we build K factor within a product, right? So, a great example of this is Candy Crush, right? Candy Crush mm. grew so fast without having to pay for it because they were able to incentivize existing users through giving them, you know, more time to play or less time to play uh, by inviting their friends onto the platform. Mm. So, if we can help improve the virality of the product or improve the inherent quality of the product, these are ways in which we can get existing users to bring on new users as well. So, can we talk a little bit more about that K sure, factor? I sure. mean, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm from a marketing background, sure. you know, and I'm also trying to think in terms of what going back to media buyers and agencies and so on, people representing brands are thinking about, you're talking about something very interesting here. Mm. What is the K factor? Can you expand a little bit? What what can you share with us? Sure. The K factor basically is, you know, how many users does a user bring on, right? So if I, for every user you bring on another user, that K factor is one. So if I can ensure that I have 100 customers and each of them bring on another 100, that means that okay, factors one, and then if they the next hundred brings on the next hundred, you can see how the growth keeps growing right. without me having to pay for any new users. Now, I should caveat all this by saying, please Google it and read it yourself because right. I might be getting some of it wrong. But the, the idea here is you want to get existing users to bring on new users right. without having to pay for them. And you can do that either by, well, really two ways, right? One is your product's so amazing that Mm. everyone just naturally, you know, brings on people because they can't help but tell everyone else about it, right? Or it works so well that you can't help it, or it's a monopoly, right? So for example, you know, to some degree, Crab is in a monopoly in Singapore right now, and you you have no choice, right? Um, Well, you could still hail a cab on the road. That's your alternative. Um, And then the second possibility is you actually built mechanisms within the app to encourage that kind of behavior to happen, right? Be it through referral codes, be it through, you know, you can't do something on the app unless you introduce a friend onto it, or, you know, this activity, you need to get three people to fill up, uh, you know, the, the, the number of people to attend it so that you can actually buy it. These are all ways that you can encourage people to get more people onto the app without actually having to pay for it. Mm. So these are things that, you know, as a company, we're very focused on, which is how do we use the product and how do we use, uh, you know, technology to actually help us reach people at scale without having to pay for them. Mm. Yeah. Those are things that we're very focused on. Right. And does that mm. just require a lot of split testing and a lot of experiments to, because there isn't really does. sort of a known pathway for it that, is, is there, so. It is. So it requires a lot of, you know, in, in our world, we call it a very hackery mindset, yeah, right? Yeah. You basically say, you know, uh, this is may not be encouraged, but how do we go circumvent that to actually make that happen? A lot of it requires using technology very intelligently. Mm. It's not like deep, you know, AI stuff, right? It's like, how do you use hackery, you know, technology to like actually help you fulfill your needs? Mm. And thirdly, also really understanding what leads to what, right? So for instance, you know, right now we try our best to follow our uh, influencers followers in the hope that they follow us on social media Mm. and therefore we can then communicate to them through our channel and to sell more stuff and vibes to them. Right, there's many, many, many ways to do this. So, um, but I think what's most important is that the company like cares about this. Mm. If all we did was say, "Oh, we have a hundred million dollars," whether we just pro it out and pay advertising, yeah. then we would never bother thinking about these. Yeah. So, for us, we want to use you know uh, money, you know, want to raise money in order to make us grow faster. But at the same time, what I would say is, you know, I think we're a very attractive company to talk to because we also care a lot about how we can build organic growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a bit of education there, isn't it, for the the buyers, and so they can understand that yep. it's not just a case of 
product placement. That's you've right. got to build a relationship. That's you've got right. To nurture it as That's well. Because right. you can easily That's right. you can throw money at this, right? Yeah. But ultimately they want to build a relationship with yeah. the followers. That's right? right. And to your point, you know, finding the right mechanisms are not easy. Mm. That's why you have to test it, right? Yeah. So absolutely we, we keep we test and we experiment all the time. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so obviously you're growing, you're testing out new uh, um, well, pathways really to understand how influence works and so on. And there's a lot of opportunities as well. So I want to just get an understanding for the purpose of the listeners, what kind of people you want to partner with. Mm. So obviously we talked about the funding side. That was pretty straightforward. Mm. There must be other people in the ecosystem that you want to build with. Who, who would you like to reach out for you having heard this interview? Gotcha. Great. Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, so as you mentioned, people who can you know invest in us are always people we are always interested in talking to, but there's so many other partners as well, right? Uh, one of it is uh, we're building a consumer brand right and you know and so far as you have you know people in your audience who are PR experts or really want you know know how to build a brand mm. I would love to talk to them I want to build vibes into a global brand that's recognized and you know we need help you know, as much as any startup does. Secondly, you know, we work a lot with influencers. So if there's anyone out there who really understands this space, influencer marketing, or mm. happens to have, you know, my cousin happens to be like the biggest influencer in Brazil, I would love to be in touch. Uh, or if you happen to understand this market because you've been managing for someone else, we would love to get in touch as well. Uh, the other possibility too is, you know, we are a consumer company trying to scale. And there's some people who have had experiences scaling companies across multiple markets. That's always valuable because they're definitely best practices that right. we can learn from. So I try my, you know, I definitely spend a little bit of my time as the CEO talking to other big companies in the space so we can learn from them so that we don't make the same mistakes. Mm. You know, we try to test, but at the same time we try to learn from the best, right? So um, if there are people who really are excited by this or have done it themselves, they may not be investors, they might be entrepreneurs, I would love to get in touch. Please feel free to reach out. Yeah, I know exactly one person I'm going to forward your way oh, as well. Awesome. But I mean, you know, there's Thank a lot you. of people in that space as well. And mm. they're sort of, uh, you know, they've built consumer brands and they have that sort of global experience, especially there's a lot of consumer brands that have done a lot of interesting stuff in building influences in the old school mm. model, right? You know, they, they went away from the advertising models and yep. went out and did events. Yeah, and they, yeah, they built yeah, those yeah. channels, whether it was sure. with magazines or sure. with, you know, like DJs and yeah, so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that as well. Yeah. So those people, now you have these sort of higher tech tools yep, for them. Sure. I'm sure they're going to be yeah. very interesting. And, you know, and, and, you know, although we said that we're trying to disrupt brands to some degree, we, as I mentioned as well, brands can also be supporting in the entire journey yeah. as well. So if there are players who, you know, see an opportunity here and want to partner with us, we would love to talk to you as well. Yeah. Excellent. That's Wei Ching Jen, everybody, the CEO and co-founder of Vibes. And we're going to put all the details on the show notes. And I think that this is a, this is a journey as well. So, you know, I would love to see you uh, again in six months oh, and hopefully. talking about the update. Because <laughs> a lot's going to change, isn't it? I mean, a lot, you know, you're going to be growing, you, you know, you 10 people. I don't know how many be your next time, what yep. markets you're in. You, yep. you would have learned a lot as well in the That's process, right. not just in terms of influence, but in terms of building that business, yep. you know. And Absolutely. the ecosystem here Absolutely. The next time we come, we'll let you know how much influence you have, how much time <laughs> you're, you're worth, and also how you can generate more uh, content for your followers who are listening to us right now. So lots of things we can do together. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.